This episode of the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast is brought to you by The Feed. For 15% off your purchase, you can use code FITCOOKIE15 at checkout using the link in the show notes. Hello, everyone. My name is Holly Samuel, and I am your podcast host today. I'm also a registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and have my master's in health education with a focus in eating disorders. And thanks for joining me on the show today. This is going to be a solo episode where we dive into fueling multi-stage races. So I want to focus mostly today on the nutrition aspect of a multi-stage race. And we will talk to a coach on a separate episode about actually training for something like this. Um, And just to kind of like define for our show today, what I mean by like a multi-stage race, basically this could be any race where there's rest between efforts um, or runs. So whether that's a few hours or a day, um, that's kind of what I mean by a multi-stage race. So examples of this could be any type of like relay race, like the Ragnar series are really popular in the US doing um, the dopey or goofy challenges at Disney or the wine and dine challenge at Disney. I know Disney has a lot of um, challenges associated with their races where you may do a 5k on Thursday, a 10k on Friday, a half marathon on Saturday and a full marathon on Sunday, like the dopey challenge. Crazy. Um, Or the Rocky Challenge at the Philadelphia Marathon weekend. Bonus points if you know I'm doing a group coaching training group for the Philadelphia Marathon weekend. So if you are interested in that, you can visit the link in the show notes because there may still be some spots available. Um, the Reach the Beach Relay that I've done in New Hampshire, um, which used to be owned by Ragnar. Maybe it's like the seven marathons on seven continents in seven days challenge. That would be an extreme version of a challenge. Um, And if you remember from like several episodes ago, I talked to a professional ultra runner named Nick Butter um, from the UK, and he does challenges like this all the time where he's trying to run a marathon a day for 50 days or 50 miles a day for 50 days. Um, So basically, there are some fueling considerations for these challenges and multi-stage races because guys, I mean, you're crazy, you know, like fueling for a marathon and training for a marathon, like that's hard enough, but you know what would be better doing several of them in a row or doing other races leading up to the day of the marathon. Um, so I appreciate those of you out there who enjoy these types of challenges and training for these types of specialties, because I think it's just, I don't know, it's super unique. Um, So let's dive into some considerations. So the first thing we want to consider is, you know, what type of race are you doing? How long and at what effort are these runs going to be for you? Are you just fun running them? Are you racing them? Are you supposed to go to specific effort? Are you working with a team to accomplish a goal? That's the first thing we want to consider because some of these races, for example, a Ragnar relay, it could be anywhere between like two and 10 miles. Or if it's like the Dopey Challenge, it could be anywhere between, you know, 3.1 and 26.2 miles, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the first thing we want to consider. The next thing is, you know, how long is our quote unquote rest period going to be between these efforts? Is it like an hour? Is it 15 minutes? 
is it 24 hours? Is it six hours? Do you not really know? Because it kind of depends on how fast your team is, if it's a relay. Um, but kind of having a ballpark idea of what this is going to look like um, will be helpful as well when it comes to trying to meet nutrition needs. Also, what logistics are you going to face <laughs> um, during this race? After you finish running one of your efforts, you know, do you do you have to take a tram somewhere? Are you back like at a campsite and you're kind of like at your home base? Do you have to get in a van with 12 other sweaty people and drive for several hours? Do you get to go home? Are you going back to a hotel? What are the logistics like and where's your food going to be? And do you get to sleep? What are those accommodations like? Um, I think that's really important to lay out as well. And also, what's the climate like? Have you run in this type of place before? Um, you know, is it going to be extra hot? Is it going to be really cold? Is it going to change, you know, each run or each day? Um, you know, what's what's that going to be like? Are you at elevation? Is this a trail race or is it a road race? Um, I had a client tell me that there was a race in Maine that her husband did that you basically swam to an island in Maine and then you got up out of the water and ran on the trails across the island and then you got back in the water swam to the next island got out ran around the island swam to the next island and so on and so forth so you know are we going to get wet <laughs> like are are there going to be um you know weather things that you you need to consider as well because that does affect our nutrition so with all of these you know being said I want to talk about a couple different multi-stage um, you know, things that we could consider and a couple different race examples. Now, just so you're aware too, um, like I've participated in some of these, um, I have done two Ragnar relays, um, in my running career thus far, I've done reach the beach. I think I did, I think I did an 11 mile leg and then two fours and a three, we had someone drop out. So things kind of changed, but, um, I've done reach the beach uh, relay before, which is in, in New Hampshire. Super fun. Highly recommend. I've also done Ragnar Zion, um, which was a trail relay. And I think the legs were like three miles, three miles and eight miles. And it was on the trails. Um, and by on the trails, it was basically hiking up a mountain and then hiking, <laughs> hiking back down a mountain for some of them. They were very steep. Um, I've run some of these at night, some of them during the day, very sleep deprived, camping in a van. So um, those are kind of my personal experiences. Now, I've coached people in a lot of different things. I've coached people for Ragnar relays. I've coached people for shorter relays where you don't get as much rest period between your legs. I've coached multiple people for like the dopey and goofy challenges um, and a couple for like just other back to back marathons as well. Um, so all of this coming from personal, but also professional experience. And this would be my dietitian hat on uh, nutrition recommendations, but also realistically what I've experienced. <laughs> so I wanted to kind of share both sides of the coin. Now, let's kind of talk about what I want you to think about. So immediately after you finish an effort, so whether it's more of like a relay setting where you have a little bit of time before your next leg, or maybe it's a full race setting where you don't have another race until the next day. Um, this is going to be like your, your like biggest area of opportunity in nutrition, but also where you can probably be the most flexible, especially if you have like more than three hours until you have to go run again. So 
this is where we can really prioritize our recovery nutrition. And I'm going to talk about a couple different versions of that. But to start, you know, this is where immediately after you finish, I want you to think about protein. I would recommend anywhere between 20 to 40 grams of protein. Um, you know, if it's convenient to get it from real food, that's great. But you also might want to consider realistic options like maybe supplements, protein powders. If you're on the road, on the go, you have to pack your own food, etc. So definitely get in that big dose of protein to help your muscles recover and stabilize your blood sugar. Like right after you finish that effort, like minimal hesitation because the clock's ticking as soon as you finish that race until you have to start running again, right? 20 to 40 grams of protein on the higher end if you are um, a master's athlete over 40. Carbs. The other thing we want to think about, this is going to help us replenish our glycogen stores. Now, you've probably heard me talk about carb loading and glycogen stores, which is stored carbohydrate on a lot of podcasts, um, whether it's my own or other people's. And often I'm talking about this in context of something like the marathon or an effort that's going to take over two hours, which for most people, you know, is the half or full marathon. And this is also relevant for these, these multi-stage races, because while for a lot of them, you may not be running a full marathon in one go, you're running a lot in a short period of time. <laughs> so we do want our glycogen stores to be topped off because that is going to give you the energy that you need to do this well, especially if you are trying to put forth a pretty good effort. And it's actually also going to help your muscles recover and help you feel less tired. Um, so, you know, I definitely recommend thinking about protein and carbs after this effort, probably in the 60 to 90 gram range for carbohydrates so that we're really getting in like a pretty, a pretty full meal um, because we're going to probably have the most time to digest it as long as we have at least three hours after, you know, that leg before we have to run our next effort. I do recommend keeping the fat and fiber on the lower side, but again, you have a little bit of flexibility here right after you finish your run, because we have the most time we're going to have until we have to run again versus like waiting an hour and then having a bunch of fiber and fat, but then we don't have as much time to digest it and we're in trouble. And for a lot of these races, if you have GI issues, like there may not be as many porta potties on the route, there may not be as much support, um, especially if it's something like a relay race or a trail relay race. So, you know, I know GI distress is like something a lot of people are concerned about for these. I've seen people have really, really tough issues. And I've also seen people be so scared of having issues that they just don't eat anything. And then they just crash and burn hard <laughs> um, in these efforts. So, you know, protein and carbs for sure, definitely need a, a high dose of those and then keep the fat and fiber minimal. Um, hydration is the other pillar that we want to think about. So again, with that protein and carb dose, we want to be considering water plus electrolytes as well. Hydration is super key um, for these types of races, because if we are, you know, at all dehydrated, whether we're kind of achieving that status um, during the effort or slightly after, um, if we're coming to, you know, the next effort below the line of hydration, it's not going to go well for you. That's where GI issues are going to be increased. Um, that's where, you know, you're going to bonk more. And that's also where we're more likely to get injured if we're dehydrated. So electrolytes and water also recommend getting a good dose of those right after you finish your workout, um, or not even workout your race. And then, you know, again, continue, um, trying to 
sip adequate fluids um, during your quote unquote rest period. So those are some things to think about for right after you finish like one of those first legs, whether you have several hours until your next leg or maybe even a full day. Um, I know some of the races that are out there too are virtual and maybe it's like the Goggins challenge. Um, there was another one too over COVID. I can't remember what it was called. It was like the Yeti challenge where we're running like four miles every four hours for 48 hours or whatever it is. So, you know, if some of these, your home might be your base and you might be alone (laughs) while you're doing this. So again, just hear my voice in your head. Okay. As soon as I finish this, I need to eat my protein, my carbs, my hydration, And then, um, you know, that's where maybe we, you know, think about our next priority being some sleep. If it's going to be minimal, like during an overnight relay or even, um, you know, some of those like challenges I just mentioned that are virtual, uh, maybe we want to prioritize sleep or naps or just getting off of our feet a little bit. If you have, um, you know, a day or like 12 hours or so until you have to run again, This is where too, you can consider um, going back to like normal eating patterns, um, keeping the hard day training plate in mind where we've got half of our plate coming from carbohydrates and about a quarter of our plate coming from protein. And again, maybe a quarter from vegetables, but not super concerned about getting fiber in. So if you want to skip them, that's fine too. So it could be like a PB&J sandwich. It could be, you know, some pasta with sauce. It could be you know, rice and chicken, um, something super simple. But again, this is where if you've got some time, you can consider, you know, your normal eating patterns, eating every two to three hours is what I mean by normal eating patterns. So if that's not normal for you, I would recommend um, doing that. And then you can start prepping for the next effort, knowing that you have continued to top off your glycogen stores by incorporating the hard day training plate and also prioritize your hydration, which is fluid plus electrolytes and sleep and recovery, especially if you have, you know, 12 hours or more, because then you can really get a good hour or not hour, you can get a good chunk of sleep in because you have the time and that sleep and nutrition are going to help you recover the most so that you can get up and go run again. Um, If you don't have, you know, 12 hours, um, or if you don't have a full day, if it's like a relay, um, That's where maybe we want to, again, prioritize that protein, carbs, minimal fat and fiber and hydration right after we work out. And then maybe you want to, you know, eat again in an hour or two um, or try to prioritize eating, you know, within an hour or two of starting to run again. But that second dose of food can be really simple carbohydrates and hydration. So this is like our quintessential pre-run fuel where we want it to be simple carbohydrates, minimal fiber, something we know digests like super easily, like maybe graham crackers or a gel, some sports drink, some toast, a PB&J, a picky bar or a granola bar, some cereal, um, piece of fruit, like a banana. So some of those things that, you know, are like carb load type foods or quintessential pre-run type foods. Um, so again, we're getting the most of our protein and carbs right after we finish. And then any other snacks you have, if you have like, you know, like under six hours or so, um, before you have to start running again, that's where we want it to be more simple carbohydrates. So if you're like, how many carbohydrates should I be consuming, um, in that like smaller snack? Cause I gave you some numbers for the larger meal right after the workout, but for the smaller snack before your run, um, you know, if your next effort is between 30 and 60 minutes long, 
then you could probably have about 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrate, 30 to 60 minutes pre-run. And again, very simple carbohydrates. If your effort's going to be over 60 minutes long, um, then maybe you want to have a bit more time to digest, like 60 minutes plus, and aim for 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrate. So again, we're keeping our glycogen stores nice and high and topped off um, so that every time we, you know, basically take a bunch of them out uh, each time we go run, it's not, you know, putting in like a critical um you know, discrepancy or, or decreasing them very significantly. And that's just going to help you recover better and feel your best. Let's take a minute to hear a word from our sponsor, which is the feed. You guys, when I first discovered the feed, um, back at the very beginning of my training for the Boston marathon this year, 2022, I was so excited um, because the feed is a website that you can go to and they pretty much carry any sports nutrition brand item that you could think of. And you can order samples, you can order full containers and, you know, in bulk supply and everything in between. And it is such an amazing resource that I point all my clients to anyone that I work with, because at the end of the day, Sports nutrition, um, you know, the principles are going to apply to everyone, but what actual products work for your body and that you actually like, that's really going to depend on the individual. So I love that I can partner with a brand that carries so many different sports nutrition products so that you can go find what works for you and you can go try samples so that you're making sure you're investing in something that you actually like. To go save 15% off of your feed order, you can visit the link in the show notes and use code FITCOOKIE15 at checkout. All right. So the next thing to consider besides, okay, what do I eat right after I finish my first effort? What do I eat before I start my next one is the during. (laughs) So um, again, this is going to be an opportunity to improve your recovery and to basically multitask keeping your glycogen stores high, keeping your hydration status in a good place, and keeping your energy levels in general in a good place so that you are never finishing an effort and feeling like you left it all out there (laughs) because that's going to just take longer to recover from. And nutrition is one of our controllables that we can use to improve our recovery. So Um, Again, this is going to depend a little bit on the race itself, but this is an area where you guys, like, even if you hear me say like, oh, long run nutrition, that's when we start needing to bring fuel like 60 minutes or more. If you have an effort that's like shorter um, during a relay, like I would really, really look at um, either a relay or a challenge and consider how many miles you're going to be running as a whole and treat that like the long run. (laughs) So basically you know, we can still bring fuel or hydration or both on like a 30 minute effort during a relay. Um, because you're just going to have, you're going to be able to maximize your time that way spent, uh, taking nutrition. This is why too, like in ultra endurance events, like people need to practice eating like as a skill (laughs) because we're training our gut to be able to take in fuel and process it so that we can basically keep moving. Um, so this is going to be an area of opportunity. So, Essentially for during, same rules apply. So we want to be taking in 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrate per hour, um, or even 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrate per hour, if your entire effort is going to be over three hours long. And I don't mean like 
the segments of your effort, but I mean the whole thing. So if you're running like more than three hours total for this entire event, you should be aiming for 60 to 90 grams of carb per hour. If the segments are shorter, like 30 to 40 minute, you know, intervals, you might want to consider, you know, doing like a liquid source of fuel and taking a gel, um, or at least really making sure you're able to increase what you're having before and after, um, to meet that need as well. So for fluids, we want to be taking in at least 10 ounces an hour. If it's hot out, you're going to want to double or even triple that. For sodium, we want to be taking in at least 300 milligrams per hour. And again, if it's hot out or if you're sweating a lot or if you're salty, you probably want to double or triple that. So those are kind of the different things for during that we want to consider. And also for before the entire race begins. I probably should have started here, but I was going to give some examples of this. Again, if your entire effort is going to be, you know, over two hours, maybe even three hours, that's when we do want to start implementing a carb load, right? So, you know, if it's over two hours, like we want to at least carb load for a day before the race, if not two days, using your carb loading principles that I'm not going to get it super into during this episode, because I've talked so much more about that in other episodes and in blogs. Um, So you can defer to those for how to carb load. But that's probably something to consider. If it's going to be like the dopey challenge, you know, where it's way over two hours of running, you know, overall for the entire effort, we probably want to be carb loading for several days um, before we start. So maybe between two and four. And for dopey, I'll go into an example. We could probably also use the first two days of the challenge to also implement a carb load. So now let's talk about two different examples. So I want to talk about Um, actually what I did during my last Ragnar relay, because it worked really well. Um, I negative split the entire relay, you know, we finished really well as a team and I never felt super depleted, never had GI distress and then was able to hike for a week after in Utah with no problems. (laughs) So, um, it seemed to work pretty well for me. Um, so I wanted to talk about that just as an example. And then I also want to talk about the like dopey challenge multi-day type example as well, because I've helped a ton of clients do this really successfully and they've, they've all done so well, um, at dopey. So looking at Ragnar Zion, which was a trail race that I did back in May of 2022 in Utah. Um, I was the last runner. So for those of you who have done Ragnar relay races before, you kind of know that each runner is assigned a number and that is the order on your team in which you will be running. Um, and that kind of dictates what when you're going to run which leg of each race. And um, that really basically means like what time of day you're going to be running, um, if you're on the short end of the stick or not. For this last relay that I did, um, my my team captain uh, very lovingly told me that he knew I could handle it. Uh, so he gave me one of the hardest, um, you know, numbers, uh, which was the last one. And we were a pretty fast team. So we got to start really late too. Um, so our starting time was at like three o'clock and then I was runner number 13. So my first leg was at like midnight. Um, and my last one was at like 2 PM in the heat of the day and it was the longest leg. So I was like, thanks for that. Um, but I will practice my nutrition principles and control my controllables. And it was very different from the first Ragnar relay that I did, which was reached the beach in New Hampshire where I was runner, I think number three or four. And we started at 6 AM and I did my longest leg first. (laughs) So, and it was not hot at all. So totally different experiences, but 
both these principles just applied really well to both. It just looks a little bit different depending on what time of day you're running. So for this particular race, just to give you some context, the legs that I had to run were about three miles for the first leg that I ran at about 11 or 12 PM. Um, and it was like basically straight up and down a mountain. It was awesome and also terrifying. Um, and then I had to do three miles of technical trails, um, about five or six hours later. And then I had to do eight miles that was like up a mountain and then very technical trails in the heat of the day, about five or six hours after that. Um, and I got to finish the whole race for the team too, which was really fun. Um, so that particular Ragnar team, I had about five to six hours between running efforts. Um, in my previous Ragnar team, we were a bit slower as a team. Um, the distances were also much further um, for the legs. So I probably had closer to like, I don't know, eight to 10 hours between each leg. Um, so that's just really good to know. Like if you're on a relay race team, know your team, work together, know about how long it's going to take each person to finish so that you can basically have a good plan for yourself and get into a good rhythm. And you're not just like guessing and anxious and not able to like get any rest. <laughs> um, because for a lot of these, it's really key that you're able to get some sort of rest. Otherwise, you're just going to crash and burn. So let's just get started. So I mean, I was probably exercising for a total of let me think, probably three hours for this. So I carb loaded for this for probably about two to three days. Um, my training load had been really low leading up to this. So it was pretty easy for me to carbo load because I wasn't depleting my stores that quickly. Um, I had been recovering from Boston. And then basically, I did this like a month later. So I think I had like one week of running under my belt. Um, so it was pretty easy for me uh, to carb load for this for two days pre race. If I had been like in heavier training, I probably would have done three or four days just because I know I was taxing my body more. Um, so that's what I did for a carb load. And then leading up to my first leg <clears throat> at 11 p.m. So basically I ate normal to hard day training plate all day. So all of that day, I think I had like pancakes with syrup and a protein shake for breakfast. And then I had sandwich and some fruit. And then I had two granola bars and a banana. I had scratch, Gatorade, water, liquid IV throughout the day. Um, for Zion, we went to, you know, Zion National Park area and we were at altitude. Can't remember. I think it was like six or 7,000 feet. Don't quote me on that though. But again, at altitude, I live at sea level. Like I can see the ocean basically from my town. So very much a different altitude than what I'm used to. And improving hydration is really key for altitude. So your body can produce enough blood volume to keep up with that. So I hydrated like a boss. I think I also had like two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So just to give you an idea of like the types of foods that I was eating up until I knew I had to run at 11 PM. Um, I, I don't think I took a nap either. Like I think I just had a low key day, but you could also probably take a nap for something like that. Probably wouldn't have hurt. Um, I think it helped that we went back in time for different time zones. So that was good too. But anyway, so again, keeping in mind the logistics, like I said at the beginning of this episode, and also just the climate, um, altitude, super dry, no humidity, not what I'm used to. Hydration is going to be a big factor for this. Um, carbs, you know, carb loading, what time am I going to start running? Okay, all my meals have to be easy to digest so I don't have any GI distress getting closer to the evening. And then also sleep. We're also camping. Um, so every time you finished a leg, you basically were back at your home base. Um, we had a tent. <laughs> so pretty straightforward there. Had to bring a lot of gear for that. But anyway, so 
um, for that first leg of about three miles, which took me probably like 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Like it, it definitely took, um, longer than three miles would take me on the road because of the terrain I carried water. So I made that deal with myself. (laughs) I was like, Hey, this, these conditions, this, you know, altitude and everything, it's going to dehydrate me so fast. Um, I'm having a hard time keeping up with it despite not even running. So, you know, bringing water even on a quote unquote short run is an absolute non-negotiable. Um, so I carried, carried a handheld bottle, ran the three miles. Um, I came back, you know, probably around midnight. I ate my picky bar. I had a protein shake and I took a three to four hour nap after like cleaning myself up because I could, and it was the middle of the night and I wanted to have some semblance of sleep. Um, then I woke up from that nap. I had a PB and J I had some liquid IV and some coffee and was able to digest and take care of the bathroom situation before having to run my next leg, which was about three or four miles, um, around 5am for that leg. I carried water, um, as well. And again, this is where if I didn't have the electrolytes during my breaks, I probably would have taken electrolytes in the water bottle I was carrying, but I did pretty good with that. So I just carried plain water. I had salt tabs on me too, if I felt like I needed it, but I don't think I took any. Um, then after that leg, I came back, I ate another picky bar, had a protein shake, um, and took a one to two hour nap. So again, I just repeated what I did for the first one super boring. I was really, really sick of picky bars and protein shakes by the end of this relay, but it was working. So I just, it was easy to pack and that's what I did. Then after I woke up from that one to two hour nap, I remember this vividly when I went to bed, you guys, um, in the middle of the night in the desert, I had on like ski mittens, a beanie hand warmers, and like every piece of clothing that I brought. Cause we were sleeping in tents. When I woke up from that nap, it was one to two hours, not very long. It was 85 degrees. I was like sweating, 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 sweating. And I was like, where am I? And what happened since I fell asleep? The temperature changed so quickly. So I remember waking up being like, oh crap, you know, um, that really dehydrated me a lot. So I think I had an LMNT and a bunch of water. Um, I ate a banana. I had a honey singer stroop waffle. I think I had some goldfish too, just for some extra salt. And then I strapped on my hydration vest um, and I ran the eight mile leg, which was basically up a mountain for the first three miles. Um, and then slowly, gradually coming back down. And I think I even refilled, I have a two liter vest. I think I refilled the entire thing halfway through that because there was an aid station Um, I remember just going through water during this race, like crazy. I think I had six salt tabs during that eight miles because it took me a little over two hours, lots of elevation. I had three goose, um, and really just tried to fuel every 30 minutes like I would doing anything else. And then after that, you know, I had my normal meal and whatnot, because I had finished the race for us and we didn't have to run again for a while. So hopefully just like that rhythm and some of those examples, um, and that schedule, kind of helps you understand, you know, what running like a relay race like this might entail so that you can just have a plan for your nutrition so that these things are so tiring anyway. And there's just a lot of moving parts. So you don't have to guess on your nutrition. You just have a plan and you can just like implement the plan. You have all your food laid out with you. Um, You know, you pick things like I did, like the picky bar, the protein shake that are easy to just like pack in a car or pack in a tent and, you know, kind of have on hand brought the blender bottle with me and everything and just had water, um, you know, with it. 
so that, you know, you can take the guesswork um, out of your nutrition and just think about your plan for the race. All right. So now I want to talk a little bit about um, like something like the dopey challenge where you've got like one race per day and pretty much like at least 12 hours to recover between. And maybe the races are of like different lengths. Um, so for dopey, I basically have on here exactly what I've told several of my clients who have done these types of challenges, um, in particular, the ones who have done dopey. Um, so for this, it typically starts just for some context on a Thursday, you run a 5k and then Friday you run a 10k Saturday, you run a half marathon Sunday, you run the full marathon. So, um, I think a lot of people would probably mentally like to run the marathon and get it over with and then like go back down the ladder. But dopey is the opposite. You kind of work your way up to it. Um, so what I've told these clients is that, you know, obviously, um, I would tell someone to carb load for a marathon for at least two to three days. So for dopey, where we're running basically two marathons over the course of four days, um, the mileage anyway, I would tell someone to carb load probably for, um, like a whole week. But like I said, we're going to include, you know, Thursday and Friday in our carb load because they're shorter races, they're shorter distances. If you've trained properly for this, like these should not be challenging for you and you should probably be pacing yourself a little bit and not running them all out so that you can recover in time for the longer distances on the weekend. So just to give you an idea, maybe we start carbo loading on like Sunday and, and we do Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, and then Thursday we carb load and Friday we carb load. So again, not going to go into the details of that, but long carb load <laughs> for something like this. And maybe we can incorporate some of that on our um, first couple of race days that have the shorter distances. So we're using our hard day training plate. Um, and again, in the same vein, um, for the shorter races, probably don't have to worry too much about the 5k since we do have like a full 12 hours to recover. But for the 10k, I mean, for a lot of people, whether you run a 10k, you know, in 40 minutes, or you know, in two hours, um, and I know for dopey, it really ranges because we have a lot of people using like run walk methods so that they can, you know, really cover the distance. Um, and maybe they're going to be out there for a much longer time. But whether you're running a 10k in 40 minutes or two hours, I would say it's probably not going to be a bad idea to carry some hydration, electrolytes, and maybe take some gels during your 10k, even if it's only going to take you 40 minutes. Um, because again, this is just going to help you recover faster. So that for the harder efforts on the weekend, the longer efforts, you're like, good to go. Um, don't have to, you know, start it depleted. So that's where, you know, taking a gel with some fluids may not be a bad idea for some of the shorter distances. Now, for Saturday, Sunday, I would also say um, these longer races, and especially keeping in mind where you're running, uh, you know, Florida can be hot. Um, consider if you want to incorporate like a, a sodium load as well. Um, and this is where, you know, we take anywhere between two and 4,000 milligrams of sodium in the, in the 12 hours before a race. So, um, this could be where maybe on, on Friday, we're incorporating a sodium load to again, rehydrate us from our efforts on Friday, but also to prehydrate us for Saturday. And then again on Saturday to recover us from Saturday and prehydrate us for Sunday and really keeping in mind your fluid intake around the races, um, but also during. So key concepts, um, you know, for this, I would say for our half marathon on Saturday, 
obviously, you know, we can incorporate the same pre-race nutrition that, again, I've talked about in other episodes, so I'm not going to get into that here. Um, And we definitely want to make sure we are fueling liberally during the race. So you're getting in at least 60 to 90 grams of carb per hour, um, and you're really making sure that you have practiced this in training. And for all of these races, um, really making sure that you have your post-run nutrition nailed down and efficient. So for Dopey, if you're able to check a bag or have family meet you at the finish of the 5K, the 10K, and the half marathon, especially, like within 20 to 30 minutes of finishing, you should be getting in that 20 to 40 grams of protein that I talked about at the beginning of the episode, that 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrate, so that you're like, boom, done, starting to recover already. Now can maybe walk around a little bit, and then get off my feet and recover for the next day. Getting in some light movement, some walking, some foam rolling, et cetera. That can also be helpful from a recovery standpoint. Maybe you can sit in an ice bath or get in the hot tub or alternate between the pool and the hot tub if you're staying at a resort. But really making sure that we've nailed down, you know, the carb load for this. Our pre-race fuel and that we've practiced that in training, um, our during race fuel and incorporating that maybe even on the shorter distances because we know it helps us with recovery and recovery is something that is limited in these types of relay races or challenges. And then we've also got the post-race nutrition like immediately after. And we figured out logistically how we're going to make that happen, what we're going to pack or buy in order to make that happen so that you're not finishing your 10K and then walking around in the sun for an hour and then trying to find your family and then trying to decide where you want to eat. And then there's a two hour wait everywhere. And then it's been three hours since you ran and you haven't really eaten anything and you have a half a marathon the next day. Um, so those are, you know, really my key takeaways there. I would also say for your marathon on Sunday for that particular challenge, it might be a good idea to front load um, your during race nutrition. So making sure that you are starting to fuel for the 13.12, but also for the 26.2, you're starting to fuel really early and often. So I know for a lot of long runs, we practice maybe starting to take fuel at like the 30 minute mark. But for something like this, maybe you started at the 20 or the 10, just so that you're starting to give your body what it needs. You're able to keep your blood sugar up a bit more easily this way because it is just going to be prone to dropping if you are really exerting yourself several days in a row and not recovering. And again, we need to train our gut to do this. So in your training, you should also be practicing this. So hopefully that was helpful. I want to go over the key concepts again one more time so that, you know, we can kind of just sum up everything I said for these different types of multi-stage races. But basically, we want to make sure that we understand logistically, you know, what our race is going to look like, what the climate's going to be like, what we have to have on us or pack, you know, where our home base is going to be and where our nutrition is going to come from. We want to think about how long we're going to have to recover after our first effort and between each other effort. And then we can start to fine tune, what are we going to eat before the effort? What are we going to eat after each effort? And repeat, (laughs) don't fix it if it's not broken. Don't be afraid to repeat the same things if it's easy. We also want to consider what we're going to take in during those efforts from a fuel carbohydrate and also hydration, sodium and electrolyte and fluid perspective. Um, We don't need to be afraid to fuel even shorter efforts 
with carbohydrates, fluids, and electrolytes because we know that that's just going to help us recover faster and fueling is cool. <laughs> and we also want to think about what we're going to have after that effort is over and really maximize that first meal within 30 minutes of finishing, having between 20 and 40 grams of protein and probably between 60 and 90 grams of carbohydrate if we have at least you know, three hours to digest this. We want to consider a sleep schedule, um, which is probably going to be lacking for these things, but hey, get what you can get. And also maybe some light movement to help us recover as well. So hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully those key takeaways help you organize your brain a little bit. I highly, highly recommend writing these things down writing out a whole visual plan for yourself in the days leading up to your race. And also, you know, but again, before, during and after each effort so that you can have a general timeline and nutrition plan for what you're going to do, because having this can be just so helpful so that you just have to focus on like <laughs> the crazy logistics, you know, and pulling triggers and implementing the plan. And you don't have to think about what is the plan I'm guessing. Oh no, I don't have any food. Oh gosh, I'm exhausted because these things are totally wild. Things can go wrong. Things can go hairy. People can drop out and all of a sudden you have to run. So, you know, I think just really making sure that nutrition is one of your controllables. So use it. Again, make sure you're practicing these concepts in your training. And until next time, guys, happy running. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.